You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to begin by calling in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mind, to those people who lived well and died well, and bring to us a legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful in our lives. These are the people who met the challenges of their times. They met them with courage of heart and the creativity, and they struggled with things, and they wrestled with things, and they found ways uh, to do what needed to be done in new ways, and they brought forward those old ways that are important for humans to never, ever forget. So we call out to these ancestors who found a kind of mastery in their own time, and when they, we ask them to be with us here today to help us, the living, to meet the challenges of what we are here to do in our time. So we give thanks for them as they gather around us here today, and we reach out beyond these human ancestors to extend our mind to understand that we are the most recent in the line of the dreaming. So we give thanks to those ancestors that were here before there were humans. We give thanks to the elemental energies and the spirits of the land and the plants and the animals and all the beings that make this entire fabric of life. Without these other living things, uh, we wouldn't be here either. So we give thanks for these ancestors and all that they contribute to life here on earth and its great diversity and beauty. So we ask these ancestors to be with us here today and to help us, especially when the messes we make are so particularly human that the simplest way out is to be something other than, to be like our ancestral trees or ancestral lakes, great mountains, to be other than human might be the path out of the things that snag us in our day. So we give thanks for these ancestors in all their many forms, and we ask them to help us, the living, do what we are here to do so that we can be what we need to be, to create what needs to be created, to do what is necessary for those who are coming. So with great joy for all of these ancestors gathering around Let's draw our awareness in from wherever it might be into our head, from our head to our heart, from our heart down to our belly, and from our belly, let's reach all the way down to the center of the earth. And here with our energy and our gratitude radiating out through all the layers of the earth, let us give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life as we experience it to the face of this planet. We give thanks to the earth for life for beauty, for diversity. We give thanks to the earth for the miracle of life itself. We take a moment and give great thanks for the enormous generosity in this dream that allows us as humans to change and to transform. As long as we are breathing, we can still change. And we give thanks to the earth for this great, great gift in this dream for us. So as we reach down to the center of the earth, let us connect to this energy of restoration that is dark and still, cool, peaceful. We reach into this earth that is everything before it is something. We give great openness in our heart to this source energy and we draw this earth energy up. This is what rises up into all things to bring the abundance to the face of this earth and let it rise up into us to bring to us the wisdom of grounding, how to be here, how to take a stand, what are we taking a stand for and how to live with a strong backbone from that place. And from that place where we take a stand, let us also understand from the energy of the earth how to create a sense of home, a sense of hearth, a sense of belonging, and to do so in a way that is open to those who are other than we are, that we all might become the magnificent people that we have come here to be because we're open 
to those who are different, who look different, who think differently. Let us open our homes, set a place at our tables, and to welcome into our fellowship, into our camaraderie, those who don't already think the way that we do. So we give thanks to the earth for this essential lesson in diversity. And we learn from this how to connect, how to connect with ourselves, how to connect with others, how to interconnect and connect with our environment, and all the way out into the spiritual connection that is this great web of life. And we take from this connection, this knowing, a sense of our own little tiny place in this great web. And may we take our sense of right relationship with with ourselves from this moment, this moment of connection. So with the energy of the earth within us, let us draw this energy up from our bellies to our heart and from our hearts to our mind. Reach out through the sky and whatever weather it holds for you in this moment, out through the atmosphere and all the way up into the cosmos, out past all the heavenly bodies and the great wonders and mysteries of the universe. We reach out, caressing and being caressed by all that is above, reaching all the way to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name we know this energy, let us name it. Let us see ourselves in it and it in us and draw this energy down into ourselves into our day, into these proceedings. And in this way, we draw down the essential energy of blessings, the essential energy that protects and that holds that which is dear, that tends those things that are fragile by their very nature, and that allows us to move into that powerful place of vulnerability that humans are capable of. And so we draw this protective energy down. We draw down the energy of generosity and devotion, of commitment. And we draw down a connection with the benevolence and the beneficence of our universe. We draw this energy down with all the wisdom of the cosmos and draw it in the top of our head, from our head to our heart, our heart to our belly. And we send it all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we open ourselves to be this meeting place of heaven and earth. Earth and sky, these two great legendary lovers, central in so many shamanic cosmologies around the world. And we open ourselves to this great love, the big love of earth and sky. And we ask this love to awaken our own hearts so that this crucible of transformation comes alive and draws up the fiery passions of our belly and draws down the crystal clarity of our mind so that these two energies can dance together in the heart in a way that gives birth to that third most sacred thing, which is some sense, some feeling, some knowing, some memory of why you are here. What are the gifts that you bring? What do you truly have passion for? What face of the divine are you being asked to live with your life? So we give great gratitude for the awakening of this memory in our heart, our heart's memory of why we are here. And I ask you to reach deeply into your heart and find the courage in that heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring the gifts you are here to bring to the world, to bring them out, to make them manifest. Do something to give them life in this day. So I have great gratitude for all of the helping spirits that gather around us and help us in every day, whether we remember to call them in and name them all or not. I give thanks. To the spirit help. And I give thanks to the humans who are moved uh, in their spirit to help us financially. I give thanks to Sylvia and Susan, Teresa, Shay, Kayleen, Darcy, David, Sarah, Elise, and Last Mass Community. I give thanks to those of you who have don- donated financially to the show. Those of you who are able to do that help me to keep the show live and on the air. Without you, I wouldn't be able to do that, and I'm deeply grateful. And it's important to remember um, that regularly I receive emails from people who thank you as well, who say that they are in hard times in their life, and it is only because of you who can donate that keep the show on the air for others that they can receive these teachings and begin to use them. And it is my hope that if you use them, your life will become more loving, more joyful, more bountiful, um, And will grow in its uh, true destiny in this life. So thank you all for helping each other and for helping me. So 
So if this show moves you in any way to inspiration or distraction or frustration, uh, it still means you have been moved in your heart. And I ask you to do that most fundamental of shamanic acts, which is to allow your actions in your life to be motivated by your heart, by what moves you in your heart, and to do something, large or small, to help this show to grow and remain vital and alive. If you are not able to donate financially, you are welcome to... um, Send questions, send in show ideas, um, and I deeply enjoy hearing from those of you who do one of the most essential things, which is to take the teachings from the show into your life, into your journeys, into your journey circles. Um, someone was recently asking if they had my permission to actually begin a little study group around some of the shows, and this, is, this does my heart good. And I thank you all for all of it. If you would like to donate to the show, it's very easy. You just go to whyshamanismnow.com, um, which is the show website. For those of you that get your show from iTunes, you may not know. There's a show website, and you can download the show in the other formats there. There's also a support button. You can click on support and donate any amount, large or small. It all goes to keeping the show on the air. And I am grateful for every ruble, euro, dollar, and... Um, I don't know my currencies very well, but you get what I mean. So thank you, everyone, for helping. I give thanks to CoCreatorNetwork.com for their technical support and production and helping us in all the ways I can't possibly understand in the technology um, to make the show uh, be available to people all over the world and to sound good while it's doing that. (laughs) So thank you, everybody. We are live uh today um and if you'd like to you can call in at 512-772-1938 or you can skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and the calendar um is accurate on the site and it's one of the best ways to get information about how to register for classes so today the topic is life hacks with shamanic skills so life hacks are things that enable us to manage our time or our daily activities in a more efficient way and for those of you that don't waste your time on the computer life hacks are really kind of creative they're ways for people to do things like use an empty toilet paper tube to make a little speaker for their iPhone so they can listen to their music while they're washing the dishes or whatever, um, or where they don't have their docking station. Um, so they're creative. Some of them are really funny. Um, it's a great idea. And the wonder of the internet is that we can share those things. And with that said, truly, one of the things we waste the most amount of time and where we are at our least efficient is when we get caught up in our stories. We get caught up in our patterns of behavior and we repeat the same things over and over again, knowing full well it didn't work last time and it isn't going to work this time. And so today's show is looking at this idea that while there are many creative um, contemporary ways to do these simple life hacks for the day-to-day things in life, um, what could be more day-to-day or more important in our day-to-day life than whether or not we're doing what we came here to do? Are we here living our destiny? And so this is the idea I had for today's show. Um, Because next month, uh, which would be July, I'm teaching a class at the Omega Institute called The Wisdom of the Shaman in Everyday Life. And I taught this show um, over 10, uh, sorry, I taught this class over 10 years ago from a a number of years running at the Omega Institute. And it was a very, very popular, well-received class. And I was a different teacher at that time. And as I've been preparing the class for this year, I realize, especially after doing this show for now six years, that my sense of how we can focus in on these life skills and apply them directly to our everyday life. I mean, this is the thing that I think is unique about Last Mass Center. Um, My teaching, but also even the healing work, is my perspective about shamanism is not to teach you to be a shaman. 
my perspective about shamanism is that by adopting this this way of looking at life and ourselves in life we could actually create a different world and in particular by that i don't mean that in a woo woo um, way i mean the way we are living is not sustainable in in so many ways and that the human heart is capable of so much more our destinies are so much more magnificent than what we have been led to believe at least in america i'll just speak for america and there's really no reason in the world that we shouldn't pick up these skills and begin to use them and it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not we're a shaman it has to do with whether or not we're willing to be fully human and to engage with our life, to use what we've been given in our body, with our blood, in our mind, in our spirit, and to bring all of it to bear on our life. And so if that's what life is really supposed to be about, what I started thinking about as I was sort of reorganizing this course for Omega was how could we think about this in terms essentially of life hacks, not hacking the little things in life, but the really big things. I mean, enough already. The human potential movement has been going on for decades. Let's use it. <laughs> so that was my perspective in getting ready for the, for the class. And so, you know, a life hack basically is something that enables us to manage our time or our daily activities in a more efficient way. Uh, and nothing sucks more time in our contemporary lives than these repeating patterns of emotions that we get triggered into, repeating patterns of behavior we frustrate ourselves with, um, patterns of depression, patterns of illness that don't get us to what we want or what we need in life. And few things that we engage in are more inefficient um, than getting sucked into emotional dramas, be they ours or others. These emotional dramas take us away from our true emotions and take us out of real time and real life. And once again, we're back in a story from the past or caught up playing into the script of someone else's story. And so that to me is the very definition of spinning our process wheels to be just caught up in these dramas. And it is a big and huge waste of time uh, trying to deny chronically what's really going on in your heart and the reason it's a big huge chronic waste of time is because it's at the root of so much chronic illness if we would just trust and listen to our heart and allow it to guide us in regular practical daily actions so much of the chronic mental and emotional illness of our day would simply pass and so for me, the great wisdom of the shaman in everyday life is the ability to hack that old story, the one that is shaping reality directly, and to hack it directly and recode yourself and your story, and to do that regardless of the people around you. I mean, one of the great beauties of being adult is you are not relative to anybody else you become your point of relativity you're connected and, and related to everybody else and everything you do affects everything I'm not saying we're not connected I'm just saying as a child our point of relevance is our family as our parents but as an adult it, it needs to become yourself so you can then things are relative to whether or not you are living your destiny so this was the idea so anyway, so while there are no shortcuts to gaining shamanic life skills, in other words, these aren't life hacks to become a shaman faster, that's not the point of today's show, that there aren't, you know, there aren't really any shortcuts to learning your shamanic skills, but once we've gained them, they do offer us hacks, uh, life hacks or shortcuts that weren't available to us otherwise. And in particular, they allow us a way to get at or deal with in a different way some of the really, really challenging aspects of modern life. So, you know, there's nothing in today's show as simple as tying a half knot in my left earphone cord so that I can find it more easily when I'm putting on my earbuds, right? And there's nothing here that's going to be as simple as cutting a slit in an empty toilet paper tube to be speakers for your iPhone. I mean, 
Oh, so genius. It's not quite that simple. But then finding my left earbud, you know, doesn't waste as much time or as much energy as getting caught up in the patterns that pull me out of my real life, my, my, what I am truly destined to do in this life, in the relationships that I need and want to be connected into, right? That, that these things waste our time far more than wondering whether or not the coffee has been on the collective coffee pot for too many hours to be bothered to drink it. Right. So these are all life hacks for those of you that don't look at these things on the internet. But anyway, so the point is there are no shortcuts to gaining your shamanic life skills. However, you know, learning shamanic skills took far less time than learning anything, getting to a place of value with Qigong or meditation or dancing for that matter. Um, So really investing some time and energy into learning some shamanic skills so you can hack your life is actually a minor investment given the unbelievable payoff. So what am I referring to sort of generally here as uh, life skills, shamanic life skills? So the basic, there's the basics. So there's learning to journey. And I mean shamanic journeying. And I think um, we've had some different guests speak to this from their own perspective. I think Kelly Harrell was the one most recently that shamanic journeying is a particular practice. And people use journey, sort of generically journey, to describe many different meditative techniques and guided visualizations and things like that. And... That's fine. I mean, it's the English language. People get to use it. But a shamanic journey is a very particular act. And the important thing about it is because you're willing to accept the discipline of the journeying technique, it allows you to access a particular kind of freedom then. The discipline and freedom are always in relationship with each other. So with that discipline, it allows us to access a certain freedom in our relationship with spirit that allows a quality of communication that can be directly helpful. So from my perspective, as much as I value the many other ways my soul can communicate with me, for my money, practically speaking, I love journeying because it allows me to have direct access to answers that are beyond my current intuition and imagination. And so I'm not discounting that we need to listen to our intuition and listen to our imagination. I don't just journey for absolutely everything. But there are many things that are beyond my grasp at the moment. And the journey, true shamanic journeys, allow us to go beyond that. Um, And in a sense, that that in and of itself is a shortcut. It allows us to know something before we feel comfortable knowing it. It's not before we're ready to know it, but it's before we feel comfortable knowing it, which of course ties us into many, many other shows where I've talked about the value of being willing to live in that place where we're a little bit uncomfortable. And so this for me is the beauty of journeying. So journeying requires, um, uh, it's an induced state. So it requires a driver. Most people use a drum because it's simple to record and it's, transferable anywhere you can put your head down on your desk at work and journey which is not a bad idea anyway so it has a it's an induced state so it's not just daydreaming it's not just visualizing it's actually got something that's driving you in the journey you are connected with your helping spirits when you're doing it and for the most part you are no longer here in the middle world while you're journeying, that you've moved into a realm that is not overrun by humans, but a realm that is still largely run by um, beings without form, where uh, energies are, in a, in a sense, closer to that uh, to the source. I guess. So that's what I mean by journeying, that you're actually doing the journeying technique and that in it you are connected with, intimately connected with, your own helping spirit. Okay. 
So a second shamanic life skill is really becoming aware of cultivating your energy body. Now, there's some people that would say this is not a shamanic life skill, and it's certainly not something that you can only learn through shamanism. But I personally think shamanism is dangerous without also learning this. And it may not be dangerous for you, but you become dangerous for others. Um, and that's probably a whole other show as well. But my point is cultivating your energy body and, and, and living your life with an ongoing, constant awareness that you are grounded that you are connected, that you are living in your chakra system, not somewhere floating above your head or just up in your head, but that your energy is moving in your whole body, your whole chakra system. You are grounded. You have an awareness of full boundaries. You have awareness of your aura beyond that, awareness of your protection around your heart, that there's there's an educated understanding, cultivation, maintenance, and awareness of your energy body and thus how you are engaging with everything else in the world. And it's not that it's a constant um, conscious awareness, but it's a just behind the consciousness awareness. And that if you're willing to do that, it simplifies so much in life. So there's that piece. And there's many shows already about all of this. Okay. So shamanic life skill number three would be understanding how to follow up from shamanic healing. So I'm not assuming in this show that you want to become a shamanic healer. I'm assuming you're just a person and you want to use your shamanic skills to live your life differently. And so one of the things, since you're aware of shamanism, is you're going to be aware of shamanic healing. And if you think you need a soul retrieval, you should get it. The important thing after that, though, is understanding how do you integrate soul parts energies, um, you know, your own energies that are being returned, power animals. How do you work with the energies that are brought back to you? What needs to be integrated? What kind of relationship do you need to create? That's one piece of it. Understanding how to work with your helping spirits once they're brought back to you. I mean, a big healing in shamanism is to reconnect you with your spirit help. But if you don't work with your spirit help, it doesn't really become the medicine that it's meant to be. Um, but to bring people back helping spirits is considered a major healing in shamanism. So it's interesting how often it's dismissed because it wasn't some big, hairy, monstrous depossession or some, you know, life-changing soul part that people just dismiss the other energies that get brought back. So working with your helping spirits is a shamanic life skill. And there is a whole lot of people in my really simple little open journey circle community here in Portland, people that learn to journey and come to journey circle and just work with that one piece of shamanism. And it really changes things. So this is, again, my point for today. Okay. So the other things that I consider essential in um, a shamanic skill set is the ability to change your behavior after a clearing. In other words, if you're a big anger magnet and you've gone to the shaman and they've done a big clearing on you, who knows what it involved, but basically the result was you're supposed to no longer be an, an anger magnet. The other piece of that is how are you going to change your behavior now so that your own energy no longer attracts anger and that you relate to it differently? I mean, the, this is an important um, life skill to have, which is how do I integrate healing, not just shamanic healing, but that's what I'm talking about today. But how do we begin to participate with the wisdom of our own inner healer in our healing process instead of just going to people and throwing ourselves on their table or their floor or their in the chair or whatever and, and wanting them to fix us. Okay, moving right along. Um, another piece of following up with your shamanic healing is the ability to clear a pattern you know, it's great for someone to clear your ancestral patterns, but you need to knock it off too. Do you know how to do that? I mean, this is another basic shamanic skill. How do I change? How do I engage intentionally in changing? It's really important. And, and, and understanding how people do that, how people engage in changing has a lot to do with why shamanic cultures structured their community and their community values, the beliefs that they shared, how they function together, why they do what they do. A lot of it was 
having this understanding is how do we support people in changing themselves? Okay, moving right along. So that was four versions of number three. So number four is learning to work with very simple altars or shrines, be they inside or outside. And that this is a way that we begin to anchor and deepen our conversation, our intimacy with spirit. And not just our helping spirits, but potentially the spirits of the land where we live, um, potentially our ancestors, just depending on what energies are in the altars or shrines. And then the last piece here of, of what I'm considering these sort of basic shamanic skills is the ability to engage in a ritual or a ceremony that has been divined for you. So, um, and what I mean by this is, so for example, early in my practice as a shamanic healer, um, I would go to New York regularly. First it was four times a year, then it was three times a year, then it was two times a year. Um, but anyway, because of this, I worked with some people quite regularly. And after they'd had a bunch of soul retrievals and clearings and extractions and things like that, you know, got to a point where, where honestly, they needed the radio show. They needed the cycle teachings. I mean, they needed to begin to change how they were living in the world. But I wasn't courageous enough and experienced enough yet as a practitioner to really put my foot down about that. So, what was? But what I saw happening in their sessions is the helping spirits really stopped to bring it back soul parts and stopped doing that kind of. Um, shamanic healing, of moving energy around kind of shamanic healing, but began to give the people daily practices, began to give the, and so a daily practice is a personal ceremony, right? Or began to give the person a ritual to do, to change something that was going on in their life and preparation for that ritual. And what was interesting to me is that after receiving this a couple times, a whole lot of clients stopped coming to me. Because they didn't want to do this. They didn't want to take that level of responsibility and engage in their healing in that way. They just wanted another soul part back. And that just wasn't going to happen for them because they, they had their soul parts back. It was time to take the next step. And and as contemporary people, we, especially in America, you know, we think it's our individual right and freedom to not take that step. And technically, from a, 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 the perspective of free will, it is. On the other hand, since everything affects everything and everyone is connected and we're all in this together, are we really free to simply stubbornly not do what we've been guided to do? I'm not, I'm not really quite sure that's freedom anymore. But anyway, I'm getting off track. Okay, so so there were those people that just threw off the rituals and ceremonies they were being given and wandered off and found a different kind of healing. It wasn't for them, and that's fine. But what was very interesting to me is the people who were dealing with very practical, everyday, real things like nasty, messy divorces with young children and, um, you, you know, I don't even need to go into it, but, you know, just really everyday hard things. And they'd be given these rituals to do and they would look at me like, What? I have to be in court in three weeks again with my deadbeat whatever ex-spouse and you're giving me this ritual to do? You know, I want mighty soul parts back. You know, I want, you know. And so it's not like they necessarily received the information any better when it first came to them. But these are the people that did it anyway and changed their lives in ways they could never imagine. I mean, they saw the course of divorce proceedings turn and go 180 degrees in a different direction. They saw amazing things happen with these children that were were struggling. I mean, they were basically acting out the energies going on between the parents, but I don't mean that in a nasty way. It's just what else could they do? I mean, the energy had to go somewhere. And these kids became protected from this kind of uh, role in the family and were able to sort of step back into their own destiny. And I mean, changes we couldn't even believe happened because people will, were willing to just suck it up and do it, just do their best. 
to do these rituals and ceremonies. Try to do these daily practices. And maybe they did it only four days a week, but it changed things. And so this is where I really began to see that even these small personal rituals and ceremonies change our lives. And the willingness, the the skill to shift out of everyday mode of the lists. I've got to do this and then I've got to do this and then I've got to do this and then I've got to do this. The list of the day. To shift out of that and protect some time to be differently in the world. To be in ritual time, ceremony time. This is a shamanic skill. I mean, it's not limited only to shamanism, but, you know, that's what I'm talking about, shamanism. So it's a shamanic skill. So these are the shamanic skills that I'm talking about today and how we might use them to sort of hack our life, these things that that really suck our time and are horribly inefficient. Uh, They're really wastes of our energy, especially if we're thinking about uh, being here to actually live our destiny. So I think some of the common patterns that contemporary people, especially in America, engage in that are really these time suckers and energy suckers. And they, they can render even some of the most high-functioning people inefficient and ineffective in certain aspects of their life. You know, so these are the things, you know, if you talk about life hack, wouldn't you really like to hack these things, right? And so one of them, of course, is depression. Huge piece here in America, the Prozac Nation. Right. Um, another sort of, I don't know, related uh, sick cousin of depression, I guess, would be anxiety and panic attacks. So these are the kinds of things that I'm talking about. Another is just a way that people get trapped in their story to the point where they can't see another possibility. Um, and the story could be as common – well, this is changing, but a real common story people used to get trapped in is, well, I can't leave this job because I need the health insurance. Now, there's a reality in that, but it's also a trap because there's people all around you that have solved that problem differently. So I'm not saying the problem doesn't exist, but the story that we tell ourselves that there's only one way to relate to that situation in life is not accurate. And the other thing about that shamanism shows us again and again and again that when we really change ourselves and change our story, our perspective on the problem changes so much that even the problem takes on a different shape. I'm not, I'm not talking about magical thinking that things just evaporate and your need for health care for your ill child goes away, but how we approach responding to that reality in our life can be very, very different as we change our stories. Okay, And then another really common one, um, a long time ago I used to work in um, Columbus, Ohio, you know, right in the middle of everything. And that was a place where I just really saw here in the, in the heartland of America, I guess that's the heartland, but anyway, you get my point. In the middle of everything, as American as American can get, people were just dying of niceness. They were just so nice. They had a standard for themselves, a definition of what niceness meant that put them always, every day, all the time, in every relationship, in a dynamic that was not healthy for them. And these people had cancer and young, cancer young, irritable bowel, you know, all these things. And this was 25 years ago. I mean, so really across America, this issue has only gotten worse And so this is what I mean by, you know, if we're going to hack something in life that's sucking our time and energy, let's hack these things, you know. I mean, let's get at it if we're going to do this. So here in the United States, um, since I really can only speak for that, we have a really deep misunderstanding of what it means to serve, um, what it means to serve something other than ourselves, larger than ourselves, Um, And given the messages that we receive in our school system, um, that we receive from the dominant organized religions here in America, we get this idea that service is good and self is bad. And yet at the same time, oddly, bizarrely, uh, we get the exact opposite message that um, if one is to succeed, you must think only of yourself. And so this is very confusing 
what the result that I see often in my practice as you start talking about how the person could have healthy boundaries in a situation, how they could negotiate those healthy boundaries, how they could – I mean the biggest issue is a person gets a soul part back and they're integrating that soul part. It's changing how they are in the world and how they need to behave in the world and they can see that but they're afraid to do it because in their mind they think that behavior would be selfish. So there's this great sort of misunderstanding – about what behavior is truly self-centered and in an, in the negative sense and what behavior is selfish, greedy, um, but also what behavior is actually the behavior required of any individual to take care of themselves. Because if I don't take care of myself, then someone has to take care of me. The needs need to be met. So somewhere, somehow, it's going to come out and get acted upon. Wouldn't it be nice if that was direct and clear and honest and open and efficient versus coming out through shadow, confusing everybody, being all crazy, fights ensue, chaos happens, not constructive chaos. And eventually, we may or may not ever get around to what the true need was that needed to be met. You see my point. So... One of the great challenges then that I see for people is this huge misunderstanding of what it actually means to be truly self-aware and self-centered in the sense of I am taking responsibility for my energy and my destiny and the fact that everything I do affects everything else and that it is important that my destiny um, is realized in a way that does not divert anyone else from their destiny. Okay. So that has to be sorted out. So let's assume that you're able to sort out what selfishness really means, sort yourself out in time and energy and money. How does that all actually work? How do you manage all that and, and sort of deploy that in your life if you're actually considering yourself and your own actual needs to support yourself in a life of health and well-being? Well, for me to do that, I need the shamanic skills of energy clearing and the cultivation of my energy body. I got an email recently from someone who said, I just found your shows. I listened to a bunch of them. I, I really enjoyed the one about boundaries. I've only been doing it for less than a week, and it's already changed all of my relationships. I mean, so this is what I'm talking about. So she hacked her life. She brought in one piece of shamanic skills, applied it, and changed the story. So, we, we do this. We, we learn to clear energy. We learn to maintain a, and cultivate a healthy energy body, which allows us essentially to build a solid house, in a sense, in, our, in ourself. And, and we maintain and we sustain that. And we begin to understand how our energy exchanges with energy around us. We begin to see that differently. It's no longer being seen only through the old stories, but we're starting to actually feel it real time. And understand the, the, the real flow underneath the stories of energy exchanging and not exchanging. You know, where did we only think our needs were being met? But really it was just a false story. And so the next thing that we gain from shamanism is we, we gain many, many different versions of the way humans before us saw themselves as healthy energetic beings in a healthy energetic world. And so we get a shamanic worldview and a new understanding about energy that is not about survival of the fittest and needing to take care of one's own, but is about taking responsibility for oneself, their sovereignty and their dominion, and then acting in the world with an understanding that everything affects everything and that we are here uh, to, to, to live in a way that supports all life. And so a piece that can really help us begin to work on this understanding and anchor it and ground it in our life is actually understanding how to create a shrine or an altar and to work with it in our life, how to create that, that focus of sacred space in our life and to engage with it in a practical, 
daily way, whether we create that space inside or outside. And as we do that, then what will evolve from that, from an understanding, a deeper understanding of how energy is really exchanging around us, grounding that understanding in an altar or shrine and allowing it to develop even bigger, then from that we begin to get a sense of purpose because we start to feel ourselves as a, as a functional being in this, in this functional energetic world. And we recognize that we have purpose and place. And so if everything I'm doing all day is manifesting something, perhaps I should take charge of what I'm manifesting. You know, perhaps I should express my purpose. And so the other thing that shamanism really offers us is this new understanding is that I'm not here to meet the needs of other people. I'm here to express this unique gift that I have come into the world to bring. And in expressing that, that gift begins to meet the needs of other people. And that that recognition that we are each part of the link in this great um, web. And that um, for me, in each step of shifting my awareness out of my old stories from my family and the town I grew up in and the time I grew up in, you need new stories. And for me, shamanism kept offering me stories that would grow with me and would support me and anchor me and open me up uh, in a practical way to a deeper understanding of what was really going on here. Right? So it allowed me to, to hack those old stories and reprogram myself and realign with different energies to become the reference in my life and to move from there. So one thing it'd be nice to hack, right, would be depression, right? And um, so the, there's, you know, many ways depression is dealt with right now in our culture. We all got to see it writ large in Silver Linings Playbook in that movie. As, as frustrating as I found that movie, you know, everybody in the movie was nuts, Everybody in the movie <laughs> needed to deal with some sort of mental illness. What was interesting is the two people that were actually responding in an honest way to life were the ones that were diagnosed and drugged. So, so here we are in, this, in the Prozac Nation without any real understanding of how to work with depression. So the shamanic perspective is you're not an idiot and you're not broken. You're not damaged goods. You're just choosing depression. So the question becomes why? You know, it changes the whole, the whole landscape changes around our struggles with things in life when we look at it from a shamanic point of view. So the first thing you could do with your helping spirits, if you knew how to journey and you developed a relationship with them where you trust them and understand how to work with their answers, is go find out why you're depressed. What are you depressed about? Most of the people, well, many of the people that come to me as clients are depressed. And most of them are depressed for really good reasons. And if we change the reasons, then there's no need for the depression. But the longer you stay depressed, the, de- the deeper a habit it becomes in, in how you run your energy. So it's really important to realize you could work with your helping spirits and go find out why you're depressed. Stop treating yourself like you're broken and go find out what the problem is. What, why are you doing it? And so this can come into... The, the, the response to that can simply be, again, back to the energy clearing and awareness of our um, energetic body or our, our, how we um, cultivate our groundedness and our boundaries in our life. That the awareness of these things and clearing of old energies we're carrying can be all that it takes once we understand why we're depressed to clear that. There's a lot of different kinds of depression and a lot of different reasons people go there uh, to deal with what's going on. So another hack into your depression is if you find that your depression is particularly about emotions that you are not wanting to feel for some reason, either because you're afraid of them or you think they're wrong or whatever – 
So you journeying about that and you're not finding that your reason for depression is about energy and your relationships, but it's more about emotions and what's going on in your heart, then one of the things you can begin to work with is the elemental energies like um, earth, air, fire, water and work with the spirits of nature because they are deeply connected. They are intimately engaged in things, but they are not emotional like us. Now, I'm not saying the whole plants don't have feelings things because it does matter if you talk to your plants. That's not my point. My point is, I guess the way to say it would be plants and elements resolve their issues differently. They don't get into the emotional Gordian knots that we do. And so you can work in your journey with elements, with plants, even become these things in the journey to understand a way to get the emotions you're stuck on to flow, to move, to express, to take shape, to move along, which is all motions want to do is just move and allow yourself to find a way out of whatever it is in this sort of emotional uh, jungle that's holding you in a pattern of depression. So another another typical um, waste of energy in our life is our anxiety and our panic attacks. I mean, talk about pulling us out of what we're trying to do in the moment and getting all of our energy caught up in something that is not useful in any way, shape, or form. Because, of course, an anxiety attack or a panic attack isn't happening when there's a reason to actually panic or be anxious, right? That's kind of the definition of these things, right? I mean, there are reasons in life to be anxious, reasons in life to panic. But when we're talking about, you know, having anxiety or having panic attacks, we're talking about those responses to something going on in life when that response of anxiety or panic isn't really appropriate, or at least that level of the response isn't appropriate. And so from a shamanic perspective, or at least in my practice, what I see is there's kind of two, two general kinds of what people come in saying, you know, being diagnosed as having anxiety or having panic attacks. So one of them is that the person is in a continual state of fear because of the unconscious stories that are being projected on over the top of everyday life. And these stories are not in the moment. They're not true in the moment. These stories were true. They're just not true now. And so this kind of person is afraid it's going to rain and then afraid of this and afraid, you know, like they're afraid everything comes around to a fear of this or a fear of that. And some of it seems rational and practical. But the point is the fact that the person is pretty much afraid of everything is the sign the pattern is problematic. So this person isn't really in reality and they can't uh, hear their self, their true self, and align that self uh, and align their choices with that self because they're too busy panicking. Now the point is, once again, from a shamanic perspective, you're not broken or fundamentally dysfunctional the question is so why are you doing that and so when someone's in this constant state of fear that from a shamanic perspective you probably need a soul retrieval but the important thing is you need to integrate the soul parts that come back and to find your way through what has become an energetic habit of anxiety or panic when you feel a certain thing because you're going to probably feel it again when the soul part comes back but the, but the possibility of integrating the part leaves you other paths open other than anxiety or panic. You have, you have a new way to resolve this. And the, another piece that can come from this is probably a power animal so that the parts that come back that may be stuck in anxiety or panic that you now need to help move through that, it might be helpful to have a wonderful and protective power animal. Or helping spirit of some kind that will bring in the protection and the reassurance and help you to hold the space for the integration that needs to happen. And then within that, if you're dealing with very strong old patterns around how we respond to these feelings the soul parts are bringing up, 
than being able to journey so that you can work with your helping spirits and your soul parts in the journey and practice things in the journey you're not yet comfortable to do in your everyday life. These things can change your patterns in two months. Now, granted, not as quick as tying a knot in your earbud cord, but pretty quick relative to spending 40 years on pharmaceuticals. You know, it's not that hard, relatively speaking. And a soul part, an integrated soul part, changes your story. That's the whole point of the integration. The soul part being brought back makes that a possibility. The integration makes it a reality. So any soul part that is brought back and integrated is a life hack. It is hacking into an old story, helping you to reprogram and to align more directly with your core, with your heart, and with your destiny. So there is another type of anxiety that I do see. Now, this is not all the anxieties in the world, but these are the two main types that end up in my practice, right? And the other is a kind of anxiety that is actually coming from a very, very deep, deep, level of no confidence. It's a metal deficiency from a um, Chinese medicine perspective. And essentially, the person is not confident enough to hear their true self and align their choices with their truth. When we hear our true self and align our choices, we are not anxious. doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. doesn't mean we're not scared, but we're not anxious. Anxiety is coming out of distance from self. And so these are two ways that people get distanced from themselves. One, because of the perpetual fear stories. But this one is from there's not enough confidence to believe in what the self is saying and, and certainly not enough confidence to make the choices to align with that. And so again, we're back to soul retrieval because there are probably soul parts that are fundamental in that current day lack of confidence. So they need to be brought back. They need to be integrated. And it's very possible in this case... Yes, helping spirits. Yes, all of that. But it's possible also in this case, in this particular type of anxiety, that there's going to be great grief that needs to be released. And that um, a grief ritual is often prescribed, which totally confuses people because we America is a culture that doesn't deal with grief. So that's an option. So my point in all of this is that these are all stories that we tell ourselves. And engaging in shamanic skills or shamanic healing, we can hack into that story in a way that makes no sense but rings true. So we can then practice the aspect of these skills to help us bit by bit to create new experiences. And then we build our belief in the new stories on these new experiences. So the new experiences become the building blocks. And so the important thing to understand is that we are actually always telling a story. The point is to become people who can choose what story you're telling with your life. So, so we want to really create an opportunity to remember who we actually are, to sense what's really true in our heart and to learn to hear that voice and to align our choices with it. And we often need shamanic skills to sort of hack in sideways to this constant blah, blah, blah story we tell ourselves to be able to change that. So I have this really great poem to tell you today, but I'm running out of time. So that's going to have to come another time in another show. So the important thing is to look at your stories. What do the stories you tell yourself kill off? What do they strangle or suffocate within you? How do they stagnate the life out of your precious resources? And so then to use your shamanic skills, not only to see that more truthfully, but to understand what do you need to bring back to life? Your heart, your courage, your sense of a possible world you're not yet living in. You have permission to take your storyteller back from the kidnappers within you. You have permission, not because I'm giving it to you. No, I'm not giving you anything. I'm just stating a fact that you have permission to reclaim your true story by whatever means necessary. And the great wisdom of the shaman in everyday life is the ability to hack the story that is shaping reality directly and to recode yourself, to rewrite the story regardless of the reality of the people around you. So that it resonates in your bones. 
and makes your heart sing. So if you'd like to do this, this that I've just been talking about, you're welcome to join me at the Omega Institute in July, 13th through the 15th. Yes, that's happening in a month at the Omega Institute in upstate New York. And you can follow the link on my website to register at Omega. Um, And then also take note for those of you that would like to go even deeper into these teachings beyond just the life hack, wisdom of the shaman phase, but into the teachings themselves. Um, The registration for part one, year one part one, is live on the website now. And the discount for registering early ends June 20th. That is in 10 days. And this is a really interesting group taking shape. Lots of diversity in um, all possible dimensions of human manifestation. There's a lot of men in the group right now. It's actually more men than women. So for those of you guys that have bailed on this training because you didn't want to be the only guy in a group full of women, this is your year to jump in. So, uh, I want to thank the Helping Spirits for these teachings, for holding us here in this particular moment of this podcast. I give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around, earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, and have a great week.